Section number 24 of the Mary Frances Storybook Patty and Her Pitcher. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Alan Lawley. At the end of the story, the story lady paused a moment and then said, We will now leave the cold and snowy world and come back to our warm and pleasant fairyland and to the story of Patty and her pitcher. This is the delightful surprise I spoke of, said the story queen to Mary Frances. Just watch the magic circle. Mary Frances noticed a large circle drawn on the carpet, about which all the story people were grouped. You are going to hear the story and see it acted at the same time. The story lady will control the action with her voice. Part 1 Mary Frances sat listening in trance to the voice of the story lady. It flowed on and on like sweet music, now rising, now falling, filling the ear with charming sound and the imagination with a perfect picture of the story she was telling. The story began. The most charming little girl in her native village was Patty. At the words a little girl, Patty, not much bigger than Tiny of Tinytown, sprang up in the circle with her little home and the village all about her. The pigeons flew down to coo around her, and they flew down and cooed. The chickens fed from her hand and the chickens came running. The cat rolled over her feet and purred, and the cat did it. The steady old dog, Bluff, cut his liveliest capers, and Bluff did it. As the story fell from the story lady's lips, there was an instant obedience in the village of the magic circle. The characters obeyed the voice instantly just as the feet of children dancing obeyed the music of the piano. So the story flowed on. The acting kept pace with the voice and did everything the words said. Mary Frances sat spellbound, for she had never seen anything so beautiful as the way in which that wonderful voice brought every player and every action to her ears and eyes at the same time. This is the story. If you keep your eyes on the magic circle, you can see it as Mary Frances saw it, through the veil of words. Part 2 The most charming little girl in her native village was Patty. At least, so all the neighbours said, and what everybody says ought to have some truth in it. Patty deserved their kind words, for she loved everybody and everything and in return she was loved by all who knew her. The pigeons flew down from their little house to coo around her. The chickens fed from her hand, the cat rolled over her feet and purred with pleasure. And even the steady old dog, Bluff, put himself to the trouble of cutting his liveliest capers to attract her attention. Patty was always busy too, about something. When she was no higher than your knee, 
she used to bustle about and do little things in the handiest manner and as for sewing she was the pattern child at the dame school where her sample was hung upon the wall as a guide to the other children she lived in a little cottage with her parents who were now old and very poor and depended upon their little daughter for many things which they were too feeble to do for themselves one of her daily duties was to go to the spring for water she would dip her pitcher into the clear bright liquid and sing her sweet little songs with a voice that made everyone who passed that way stop to listen with delight upon one of her journeys to the spring occurred the great event of her life of which i am now about to tell you patty had filled her pitcher at the spring and was carrying it home with some little difficulty for it was quite heavy when filled when almost in sight of her cottage she saw a poor old travel-worn woman sitting by the wayside as if overcome by the fatigue of a long journey she sat upon the trunk of a fallen tree her face was as brown as a nut and covered with a complete network of wrinkles while her dim eyes looked dull and sunken at her back was tied a bundle which seemed quite large enough for a strong man to carry she watched patty as she came near and cast eager eyes upon the water in the pitcher which seemed so cool and tempting and after looking at patty's rosy good-natured face she asked for some water dear little child said she in a feeble voice give me a drink from your pitcher for i am very old and faint and weary to be sure mother and welcome said patty sweetly as she raised upon the pitcher so that the old woman could drink long and eagerly did the poor creature drink of the delicious water so long indeed that patty was much surprised at her extreme thirst thank you my darling heaven will reward you for your kindness said the old woman oh you are quite welcome mother said patty again shouldering her pitcher and going cheerfully on her way singing in the lightness of her heart at the pleasure of having relieved the poor woman's distress but she had not gone far before she was overtaken by a large dog who seemed to be bound upon a long journey for he was covered with dust his eyes were bloodshot and his parched tongue hung from his mouth to catch the cool air poor fellow said patty in a kind voice the dog turned around at the words and stopped to look at her she held out her hand and he came nearer she then sat down her pitcher to caress him but he strove eagerly to reach the pitcher which his instinct told him contained water patty understood his wants and held the pitcher to the poor dog so that he could drink with comfort he lapped and lapped until she began to think he would never leave off at last he looked up into her face and licked her hand in gratitude then after bounding and gamboling about to show how refreshed he was trotted on his way patty now looked into her pitcher 
and found that it was more than half empty, so that she must take all her journey over again, for it was of no use going home with a pitcher but half full. As she rose, she saw some harebells by the side of the road, which appeared to be in a very drooping, dusty state. So she at once poured over them all the water that remained in the pitcher. Then, with her pitcher once more upon her shoulder, she turned her steps again toward the spring, without a single regret at the double work she had to do. She travelled blithely on over the dusty road, cheering the way with her sweet songs, and soon arrived once more at the margin of the spring. Resting for a few minutes in the shade, she gazed sleepily at the bubbling water, and all kinds of fanciful thoughts passed through her mind. She was just dropping off into a little nap, when she thought she heard someone call her by name. It was a sweet little voice, and Patty could hardly distinguish it from the tinkling of the spring. She rose quickly to her feet, I looked in every direction for the owner of the voice, but in vain, till suddenly casting eyes upon the spring, she saw to her amazement a dear little face looking up at her from the water, and presently stood there before her one of the most beautiful little creatures Patty had ever seen. She balanced slightly upon the surface of the rippling water, where she seemed to stand with the same ease as Patty did upon the land, and was really no higher than the pitcher. So, Patty, said she, so you have come back again, my dear. Yes, madame, replied Patty, who, to say the truth, felt somewhat alarmed. Yes, madame, because I... I know all about it, said the fairy, for it was a fairy, you know and it is because I do know that you see me here, for I am now come to make you a useful present. A present, said Patty, with a pleased surprise. Yes, and such a one, replied the fairy, as would be the lasting reward for your goodness of heart toward others, and your little care for yourself. You blush because you do not remember the many kind things you have done, and I am the more pleased to see that you think I am giving you unmerited praise. That you think so little of all the kind actions which are the ornament of your life assures me of the purity of your motives, for it is our duty to forget the good we do to others, and to remember only the good that others do to us. You have always done so, my dear Patty. To reward you, I will place a spell upon your pitcher, which will always be full of water or milk, as you may desire. It will also be able to move and work whenever you wish it, and will always prove your firm friend in any trouble. If it should, by any mishap, be parted from you, it will easily, by its magic powers, be able to find you and in whatever position you may happen to be, you will always find it by your side, as adviser and friend, so put your pitcher on the ground and look into it.
Patty did so, and to her surprise, saw the bright water gradually filling until the pitcher was full to the brim. When she saw it was full, she tried to lift it, but found it too heavy for her strength. You need not trouble yourself to carry it, said the fairy, smiling. It will save you all further trouble on that score. She then touched the pitcher with her wand, when, to Patty's greatest surprise, two very well-formed legs grew out of the bottom, and a pair of neat little arms appeared at the top of the vessel, which, as soon as it was firm on its legs, made a very polite bow to Patty as its future mistress. Now, Patty, said the fairy, follow your pitcher, as you cannot possibly go wrong and as she finished speaking, she gradually faded away, and at last broke into a thousand sparkling drops, which mingled with the bubbling stream, and was soon borne away on its bosom. Patty rubbed her eyes as if to make sure that she was awake, for the whole thing seemed to her like a wonderful dream. She coughed aloud, and at last began to pinch herself until she found it painful when she finally concluded that she must be really awake. But more convincing than all, there stood the saucy brown pitcher, firmly upon its sturdy green legs, with its toes turned out in the politest manner of the day, and its little fists planted in its sides, in a style that was very business-like indeed. Quite ready to start, mistress, said a little voice that made Patty jump, for the fairy had not told her that the pitcher could speak. But screwing up courage, she said, Come on then, pitcher, and set the example by starting off into a run. And didn't the pitcher follow her in good earnest? Indeed, it ran so fast that it soon overtook her. And not only that, but it ran beyond her, long before she got halfway home. But the most surprising thing was that, although it hopped along with the most wonderful strides and jumps over the rough places in its path, it did not spill one single drop of water in its progress. This puzzled Patty, who, with her utmost care, could never avoid wetting her dress whenever she had tried to run with the pitcher, even half full. What will people think when we get into the village? thought Patty, as she looked at her strange companion. I'm sure they will be frightened. And what will father and mother say when they see what I've brought home with me? Do not trouble yourself about that, said the pitcher, who seemed to know her thoughts. Your parents will soon get accustomed to me, and be much pleased when they see how handy I am. For you do not yet know half of my good qualities. As he was speaking, they came to a very high style. Shall I help you over, said Patty, thinking of his short legs? Oh dear, no, said the pitcher. See how little I need it. And, so saying, he skipped over the stile in the most graceful manner. As he did so, a dog who was passing put his tail between his legs, and after two or three very weak barks, scurried off in evident fright and surprise. A man was at the same time coming along the road with a slow and pompous walk. 
for he was the squire of the village, who, upon seeing the strange picture clear the stile, was rendered almost speechless with amazement. But as soon as he saw the little legs speeding towards him, he uttered one loud exclamation of terror and fled. His hat flew one way, his cane another, and his cloak mounted into the air like wings. Being very fat, however, he had not gone far before his legs failed him, and he lay kicking in a first bush, roaring for help. Patty could not help laughing at the sight, but the pitcher trotted on with the greatest unconcern, soon reached the cottage door to the astonishment of Patty's parents. The pitcher walked quietly into the cottage and sat down in a corner, tucking its legs carefully under it, so that no one could see them. The neighbors, therefore, who had been alarmed at the squire's account of his fright and disaster, and came to the cottage in crowds, only saw a pitcher, such as they all had at home, and put the old squire down as being a little bit out of his mind. Patty was awakened next morning by hearing a noise below, as if someone was very busy with the furniture. She heard the chairs pushed about, and presently the handle of a pail clinked down as plain as could be. So she put on her clothes and crept downstairs. She peeped cautiously through the red curtains at the bottom, and there, to her wonderful surprise, she saw, what do you think? Not any thieves, but the astonishing picture. And what do you think it was doing? Why, it was mopping up the red tiles of the floor as handily as if it had never done anything else all the days of its life. And more wonderful still, the fire was made and was burning brightly upon the hearth. We can imagine a pitcher of water washing the floor but we cannot imagine it doing anything else with a fire except putting it out. But no, the fire was lighted, the kettle was on, and there it was merrily singing a little song about breakfast being nearly ready. Good morning, dear mistress, said the pitcher cheerfully. You need not trouble yourself to do anything but grow and improve your mind, for from henceforth you will have but little labor to do as I am here to do it for you. You may suppose that Patty was well pleased to hear this, for she was now growing to be a tall girl, and felt a great desire to improve herself with books, which as yet she had had very little time to do, having been so much taken up with the household cares. When Patty was left alone in the evening with the pitcher, she told him how much she was obliged to him for all he had done, and how much she had wished to learn, but did not know what to do for books, as she had read the few she already possessed many times over. Oh, I can soon help you there, said the pitcher, for you only have to wish, and I will yield you as much milk as you desire. You can then make butter and cheese, and go sell them at the market town, buy as many books as you like, and have something left for other purposes besides. No sooner said than done, Patty set out all the pans she had and all she could borrow from her kind neighbors, and as fast as they came the pitcher ran about and filled them, 
so that she soon had plenty of cream for her butter and cheese. She had only to ask, and a good neighbor lent her a churn, while the pitcher furnished a pair of arms to do the churning, and such butter was produced as had not been seen in the village for many a day. You may suppose that Patty was pleased, and as for her dear old parents, they hardly knew what to make of it all. The same good neighbor lent her a gentle horse and some baskets, and early one lovely morning she started for the market town, to which the pleased pitcher pointed out the way. He did not go with her, as he said to the people of the town were not accustomed to see brown pitchers with legs, so he should stay at home and see about making the cheese. Patty rode cheerfully on her way, looking as happy and handsome as the best farmer's daughter of them all. So everybody in the market said, and she soon sold all her butter at the very best prices of the day. And so Patty went on thriving and doing good to everyone in need, until, in course of time, she grew into a beautiful and lovable young woman, living in comfort with her old parents in one of the prettiest cottages in the village. Everyone said that she deserved her good fortune. No one envied her. She was loved by young and old, so, as you may well believe, she was happy as the day is long. Part 3 And now a wonderful thing came to pass, which changed the whole course of Patty's simple and contented life. One evening, she was standing in her garden feeding her pigeons, when a well-dressed stranger approached the gate. After looking at her with admiration for a moment, he bowed gracefully, at the same time removing his plumed hat, and, in the politest manner, inquired the way to the next town. Patty answered him pleasantly, and as she spoke, the music of her voice and the charming modesty of her manner seemed to strike the young man with surprise and pleasure. He looked at her intently for a moment, which made Patty's eyes seek the ground in blushing confusion. Then, bowing again with greater respect than before, he proceeded slowly on his way, often looking back for another glimpse of sweet Patty. And now, as you probably guess, the handsome young stranger came again and again, although he knew his way very well indeed between the village and the neighboring town. At last she found that it was the way to her heart he was seeking. He told her parents that he was rich, and wished to have a wife of whom everyone spoke well. He did not care how poor she might be, so that she loved him, since he had wealth enough for both, and could choose to marry when and where he pleased. You must not suppose, however, that Patty fell into the arms of the young stranger at once. He coaxed her a great deal before she consented to be his wife, as she wanted to make sure that he was as upright in character as he was handsome in appearance. The parents smiled as they looked upon the ardent and handsome lover, whom, 
However, they did not think a bit too good for their darling Patty, and so, in as short a time as was possible, they were happily married. Now the stranger who had married Patty was a prince in disguise, and the pretty cottage girl became a great princess, surrounded with all the splendor of her high station. Did Patty now forget her early home and her old friend, the pitcher? No, she did not, for the pitcher went with her, but her parents wished to end their days in the peaceful village where they were born. In the splendid state in which she now lived, the pitcher was as useful to her as before, though in a different way. When the poor came to the palace gate, he gave them bread and nourishing soup for their families, for which they daily blessed the kind princess who relieved their wants. So you see, the pitcher, although now not called upon to work, still continued in the name of his mistress to do good to all around. Part 4 But, alas, the best of us cannot escape from envious hearts and wicked tongues, and so it befell with Patty. Her dream of happiness was short. Many of the wicked courtiers envied her the love of the people, to whom Patty was endeared by her gentle kindness, and they whispered slanders into the ears of the prince, her husband, who at last, I am sorry to say, was weak enough to listen to them, for they aroused his fears by telling him that she was trying to bribe the people by her charities to rebel against him. They also said that she was served by evil spirits and pointed to the good and innocent pitcher as a proof of their wicked tales. Alas for human weakness, the prince at last became convinced of her guilt, and although his heart ached, he had her put into one of the dungeons of the palace, and there poor Patty was left to mourn over the too easy belief of her husband in her guilt. She did not, however, mourn long, for as night came on, the prison door gently opened, and there, to her great delight, she saw the faithful pitcher with a bunch of keys in his hand. Come, he said, let us return to your peaceful home, and show your husband that it is his heart and not his riches that you covet. He will come back to reason and repentance when he finds he has lost you. Poor Patty followed him in deep grief, but they had not gone far in their flight when she perceived with alarm that they were followed by a band of soldiers. She screamed with fright. Part 5 Be not alarmed, dear mistress, said the pitcher. I will soon stop their pursuit. So saying, he bent over the side of a rock and poured out a cataract of water through the valley in which the soldiers were marching. Soon the water swelled into huge waves which swept the soldiers from their path and compelled them to save their lives by swimming to the nearest land. When, wet and dispirited, they soon returned to their master 
the foolish prince. That night, Patty slept once more beneath the sheltering roof of her parents, who, as you may suppose, received their darling with open arms. She once more found herself in her beloved garden, and the flowers, as you may believe, were often watered with her tears. It was but natural that her thoughts should wander to the home of her husband, and that she should grieve over his cruelty in return for a pure and ardent love. Hope, however, whispered to her, in the midst of her tears, that he would yet learn how false the stories were that had caused not only her unhappiness, but his also. The pitcher, too, was always at her side to give her comfort in her silent sorrow. And thus days and weeks rolled on, but no news or messenger reached her from her husband. Had he entirely abandoned her? Or did he believe her to have been swept by the torrent that had so nearly drowned his soldiers, who were too busy looking out for their own safety to notice what had become of her? She hoped that it was so, as that in a measure would excuse him, and even now he might be mourning her as lost to him forever, for surely, she thought, long ere this the evil tongues must have appeared to him in their true light. One morning she rose earlier than usual. She was restless and could not sleep. The pure air was cool and refreshing to her fevered brow. Looking sadly around her, she saw the dear old pitcher trimming the flowers just like an experienced gardener. Good morning, dear mistress, said he, rubbing his hands cheerfully. You are up betimes today, for the sun has hardly yet peeped into the valley. I am glad you are so early afoot. As you see, I am taking extra care with the garden, for I am expecting visitors today. Visitors? said Patty, with an inquiring look. Yes, visitors, said the pitcher, from whose mouth issued a low, chuckling laugh. I can distinctly hear footsteps in the distance, and they are coming this way. Listen, they are now near enough for mortal ears to hear. And so they were. Nearer and nearer they came. Presently the figure of a traveller, with a hood over his face, came in sight. He stopped a moment, threw back his hood, and stood, struck with amazement for it was the prince, her husband, who believed her to be dead, drowned in the valley, after she had escaped from prison. This, said the pitcher, is the visitor I expected. Believing you to be dead, he has wandered in many lands to cure his grief, and at last ventured to this quiet cottage to see once more the spot where he first had the good fortune to meet you. He has bitterly grieved over the sin he has committed in believing you guilty or converting his riches, when he alone was all your riches and your delight. That you are still alive is the reward for his sincere repentance, 
he finds you in your parents' home where he saw you first, regretting nothing of your past life, except the loss of the husband you loved so well. The faithful pitcher hears he speaking. The prince rushed forward with a cry of delight, and knelt at Patty's feet and begged her forgiveness. The pitcher, like a discreet friend, placed her hand in his, and went into the cottage. The prince, now happy in his love, which had increased a hundredfold, wished at once to return to his palace, and desired to send forward a messenger, so that he might bring back his recovered wife in triumph. The pitcher, upon this, came out and joined them. Prince, said he, spare yourself this trouble. I am here to render a last service to my mistress. Since your sincere love now leaves nothing for her to desire, the fairy who appointed me to reward her for her greatest of human virtues, self-denial, now recalls me to her water palace. Behold, as he ceased speaking, jets of sparkling water rose high in the air from his mouth until the valley was filled by a lovely lake upon which floated a gilded barge manned by stout rowers in the prince's livery and gay with flags of all colours. Patty then took an affectionate leave of her parents and she and her husband stepped into the barge. Still the water flowed from the pitcher's mouth until the lake grew into a mighty river, down which they floated until they came in sight of their beautiful home, standing high upon the rocks which bordered the stream. Hundreds of flags floated from the towers, and booming cannons sent forth a noisy welcome. Crowds of rejoicing people stood to receive their beloved mistress, whose kindness had long ago endured her to their grateful hearts, and when at length they landed, the people rushed forward, happy if they even succeeded in kissing the hem of her garment. After that, Patty lived many years in peace and prosperity, but the magic picture was seen no more, for Patty was happy, and its loving task was done. As the story lady ceased speaking, the actors vanished from the magic circle into thin air, Oh, I wish I could learn to tell stories like that, exclaimed Mary Frances. You can, said the Story King, heartily, for you have come to the home of good storytellers. Yes, you can, my dear, because you love stories, said the Story Queen. And for that reason you will always be young, added the Story King, for good storytellers never grow old. It seems too good to be true, the story lady is so wonderful, returned Mary Frances. This outspoken admiration pleased the story people very much, for they were very proud of their story lady. Now the reader-writer folded the copies of the five stories, stepped up with a funny little bow, and handed them to their guest as before. And that was the end of the second day. End of section 24 Recording by Alan Lawley